The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone, I'm Macca19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast live on Port Fan Radio. And joining me as co-host for another week, we got Rick. How are you buddy? Hey Macca, how you going? He's back. I thought we were changing the name to Power to Win. No, that's not going to happen. You don't like that idea? Not yet. We might change the name in the future. Oh. I'm open to ideas. What about Girls and More? Girls and More. (laughs) That sounds like a great podcast. So how you been, mate? How was your football weekend? Good. Footy's back. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, Obviously watched our game. Um... Saw bits and pieces of two or three other matches, so it was good to uh, to get back into it again and and uh, see the boys in action. Yeah, it's pretty exciting that the Crows are premiership, premiership favourites already, so that's pretty good. So they should be. I mean, they beat a grand finalist from last year by 100 points. I mean, that takes yeah. real skill and effort to do that. So, and uh, and they've also got the, the the greatest player of all time and a young Miller. I mean, that's just amazing recruiting. It's fantastic. Valera. Yep. Yeah. No, it looks uh, looks the goods. That's for sure. He will be an absolute superstar. There's no doubt about that. But let's not joke about them anymore, hey? No, that's enough uh, of them. And uh, I guess let's get straight into one of our favourites. Back for another season is love and hate. One thing we loved, one thing we hated about Port Adelaide last week. Do you want to start? Yeah, I'll start with the hate, Macca. and okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna start. Um, with my hate, I had a word for it, and now it um, has just escaped me. That's great for radio, isn't it? But <laughs> it's um, wonderful. I w- I'm going to say disruption. I uh, I don't think us as a supporter base should let the media hype over the SMA and uh, and other activities that we do. Um, distract the loyalty I'm not the not loyalty that's probably a bad word distract us from the short-term success we've had over the last few years yeah um, you know, and I, I think we some of us supporters we get a bit um, frantic too quickly over this uh, rumor mongering which is just from some uh, biased channels in main, mainstream media do you know what I mean I do, yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. Look, I mean, there's a lot to talk about, I guess, with that and the game day village and you know, all that sort of stuff. So um, I guess it's interesting to note that the SANFL clubs were after more money uh, from the reserves teams, um, yeah. which the SANFL itself has knocked back today. So that's a, a good thing, I guess, a step forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was interesting. Uh, I'll give Rucci the credit with his article over our game day village where uh, he pointed out um, the liquor license and the SMS, SMA, uh, I was going to say SMSF, um, the SMA's uh, rebuttal to us having a, an outside presence and unruly behaviour, but then he also pointed out that they've got their own fan bar outside. So, Well, exactly. How, do, how does that work? Exactly. They can't claim that uh, people are walking in drunk because of the game day village when they opened up direct competition like 10 metres away. <laughs> for their own bar outside the stadium just to try and uh, leech into uh, the money that we were making from it. So, I don't know. It's a bit silly, really. It is a bit silly. I wish I had Tribe's vocabulary at the moment because I'm sure he <laughs> I'm sure he would uh, articulate it a lot better than myself. But, 
Yeah, I mean, if I reflect on my experiences at the Game Day Village, I just think of um, uh, happy Port Adelaide supporters uh, having a bit of a good time before they go into the game. I don't think I've recalled anyone before the game actually being smashed and, if we put it in a layman's terms, a piss minder before they go in a game. Have you ever experienced that? I've seen no piss minders walking into the no. stadium because of that. No. And look, I mean, it's a wonderful thing. Everybody that's been there has said how great it is. Everyone that's been there, even Crow supporters, um, have commented how great it is and, and how it's a much-needed thing and you know they want to set up their own and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's completely changed sort of game day celebrations, I guess, and I, I just don't know what they think they're going to achieve by getting rid of it um, or taking it over or... or you know, having some sort of input. Um, I just don't understand what they think they're going to, to achieve by doing that. I mean, if they get rid of it, I can tell you now, I'm not going to be spending any money inside the stadium. No. And I mean... And I don't think many other people will either, so... And, and let's face it, we'll we'll find another location close by the Oval, you know, a, a bigger bar or an establishment where fans can gather anyway. So, you oh, know, right. we'll... We're an ingenious bunch at the Port Adelaide Football Club, so we'll find an alternative venue somewhere. So uh, look, there, know, there's dozens of pubs in and around Adelaide Oval. So abs- absolutely, maybe the uh, the Richmond could be the the pub of choice because that could start the march. Could be. I like the Daniel O'Connell. That's one of my favourite pubs in in Adelaide. Cool. So. So anyway, that's that's my my hate, the biased media um, over that's the good hate. Day Village. That's a good uh, hate. My hate this week, I, I yeah. might as well jump in with my hate, Go. and it's the uh, the new interpretation of the deliberate rule, which uh, oh. is kind of hard to understand in the first place, as it is, but um, hopefully this uh, change isn't following through to the season proper, as it was a bit of a farce all weekend, really, and you know people miss kicking and getting called deliberate and... I don't know, is there a sport in the world which stuffs around with its rules as much as what Aussie rules does? Poor old Darcy Burr-Jones would be scratching his uh, head at the moment, wouldn't he, the poor, <laughs> the poor kid? But no, I mean, and look, I think that's probably the biggest gripe from the supporter base of AFL overall, I would imagine, that most of us supporters uh, are con- constantly complaining about the rule changes, but they still continue to do it. I mean, we've got a great game, and... And they, they keep meddling with the rules, and which ends up changing the fabric of the game, which then means they have to create new rules, mm-hmm. um, you know, which brings it back to where it started. I mean, if they just leave the game as it is, I mean, I don't know about you, but do you actually have a problem with a few out-of-bounds? I don't have a problem with a few out-of-bounds, but it's just the point of, you know, why keep stuffing about with rules for a game that's as fantastic as it is? And trying to turn it into more of a stop-start sort of game. I mean, I just don't understand it. It's just silliness, no. and it just it would just be nice for five years for them to say these are the rules. We're going to stick with this for five years. We're not going to make any reactive decisions, um, and just go with it and Correct. see how the game develops on its own. Maybe we could put a, an online petition going. AFL rule freeze five-year period. That's it. Yeah, making things about, happen. Big footy. What about po- your What about your love? My love was, uh, I love that despite the fact we had 14 players out of our best 22, we really took it up to Sydney. Um, they had a lot of their big guns out there. I mean, they had most of their forwards, most of their midfielders, and, and a pretty decent defence out there as well. And Look, the last two years we've been thrashed when putting out a reserves team, and I guess we'll go into that a bit later as well. But 
Uh, it was great to see the kids put in a great effort and you know, we saw some great glimpses of potential from a number of guys that haven't really played a lot of footy yet. Do you think it's uh, unfair for us supporters who expect to win to maybe be a little bit disappointed that we're in a position to win and didn't? I think that more had things to do with the weather and the, the cyclone that they had to play in in the last quarter. And I think if that didn't happen, there's every chance we would have won the game. Because I I guess we'll talk about it a bit later on, but yeah, we were pretty well the better side for three quarters. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, it's there was a lot of optimism to come out of that game from the junior players. I thought... I thought they all showed something, and um, it's quite exciting for our future. I think, you know, depth-wise, we're probably still one or two years from having, um, you know, the ultimate depth in a footy squad, but uh, we're starting to get there pretty close. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What was your love? Uh, well, I thought you were going to have this love, but I'm going to have <laughs> to say uh, the year of the Doogie. Year of the Doogle. I know, I know you Make called it that last... You, you called that last week, but, I mean, how fantastic was that young fella? I mean, I remember catching a few glimpses of him last year, and I'm, I'm sure the, the boys that do the what was once called the Magpies Hour will talk about him in depth as well. But he, uh, I loved his mobility. I loved his um, agility around the ball. And uh, he had good hands, uh, which is something we criticise our lead Ruckman for at times. And I thought his, his positioning, I mean, he's still got, a way to go with his body strength, clearly. But, yeah. um, you know, I think the calls that he's too short to be an AFL Ruckman at 199 centimetres is a bit out of whack because I think he's taller than Paddy Ryder. Um, not that I'm yeah. saying that he is Paddy Ryder or going to be, but, um, well, I think he showed a lot. And uh, I, I think he also showed that potentially he he could maybe get a couple of games as a backup uh, foil for Loby if Loby starts getting tired and, and do admirably well. No, you're right. He had a fantastic first half. Really enjoyed what he did out there. He showed his pace once again. He's got a great leap, so that sort of nullifies the fact that he might be um, a few centimetres shorter than a couple of other ruckmen out there. But, um, you know, going up against two pretty good ruckmen, I mean, Kurt Tippett, obviously, he's known as a forward, but he's a bloody good ruckman in his own right. And, you know, Callum Sinclair was a bit of a revelation last year for West Coast. Um, to go up against them and, and not just hold his own, but have a really, really good half of footy against them was uh, was great to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, like I said, I think it, it should fill our supporters with a bit of hope that, you know, it's not all doom and gloom for the absence of Paddy Ryder. And uh, we've got a couple of young boys with him and Frampton in the wings that are learning their craft. And, you know, it should be good for us in a couple of years' time. And it, it's interesting with Kurt Tippett as well, Macca, um, and Buddy Franklin, I noticed the, a lot of the Sydney players, you know how they used to have that really thick core um, around their stomach? They seem to have definitely slim, uh, slimmed down this year. So obviously they've, they've taken to the, uh, the new uh, changes in the AFL rules as well, changing their body shape. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No, I agree with that. Um, and look, let's get straight into it and talk about uh, the NAB 1 game. Port played Sydney and Blacktown on Saturday for our first NAB Challenge match. Um, our inexperienced team took it up to a strong Sydney side but fell 21 points short. Uh, Sammy Cahoon playing across the half-forward line was the only multiple goal scorer with two, while Jared Pollock also kicked a super goal. Um, do you want to give us a, a brief rundown of, uh, of how the match went? Yes. Um, so I think we were quite surprised, Macca, uh, Port Adelaide came out of the blocks uh, quite quickly, playing a, a pretty direct 
brand of football. That was my main observation. If you remember, I was I was saying that I wanted to uh, see our switch in progress this year and see if it's improved, but we didn't really play that switch at all, and we just ran a straight line. If we were on the flank, we ran a straight line down the flank, down to the goals, or uh, we went straight through the centre. Um, you know, Jakey Deed had a great start with Dougal Howard, and, and we, we were just very clean and crisp with our, our ball usage and direct. And you know, the commentators pointed out um, Sydney were playing that possession-orientated game where, and were outnumbering our possessions, but we, um, we definitely uh, seemed to be on top with our direct play, and we definitely had the advantage over the possession game plan that Sydney were using. So I'm not sure if Sydney um, you know, were just trying to get their skills up to speed by playing a possession game plan, but definitely our direct game plan was actually working. Um, and then, I, then obviously, you know, we didn't really have a major possession winner in the first quarter, but just an, an all-round team performance. But um, yeah. then I thought uh, Sam Gray... Uh, Brendan Archie, as the game wore on, really became you know, the major ball winners for us. And you know, for younger guys, still or inexperienced guys, they became our our more senior players out in the field, and they they really stood up when it counted. Would you agree with that? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I guess um, I'm not really sure what I was expecting um, prior to the game. I mean, as as we mentioned before, it was a heavily undermanned side that we put out on the park. We we're missing. Pretty much our entire first string midfield, our entire first string forward line, half our defence. Um, so I guess it was pleasing that. Uh, well, the pleasing thing I guess is the last two years we've done this, we've been absolutely spanked. I mean, we got thrashed by the Crows in 2014. Um, last year we we lost by 66 points to Richmond, and not only never looked like winning, but basically never even looked like scoring for half the game. Um, yeah. So I guess my expectation was going in that it might be the same. You know, they'll yeah. just have a bit of a run around, we'll lose by 15 goals and that'll be it. Mm. Um, but Saturday, the youth looked the part. You know, they, they were determined, they played really brave footy, uh, took the mm. game on, as you said. And for three quarters, I think we were the better and certainly the most efficient side. We were very much the most efficient side. And as I pointed out, I, I was really, yeah, I was really trying to observe our game plan. And I, I, we just had a very, very direct game plan. Um, I, th- I thought Sydney was able to open up around us a few times, which is going to happen with an ex- inexperienced side. And obviously there's going to be weaknesses somewhere at some stage. You're, n- you're never going to have, in the trial games especially, you're never going to have a 100% um, perfect game plan going on. But yeah. Yeah, it was really noticeable our, our decision-making with that direct line of play was a lot better than last year, even with our ex- inexperienced players. Um, so we were actually hitting targets. If you think about it last year, when we were doing our quick, sharp handballs in a similar standard of play, we would sometimes lose our focus and, and just handball to a player that was being sweated on and that would cause a turnover, whereas it was very noticeable on the weekend that that hardly ever happened. And, and my my play of the day was actually Jared Pollock, I think at about the eight-minute mark of the third quarter. Um, he had the ball and he was going to do that first instinctive handball, which was going to be to a teammate that was going to be just swamped straight away. Yep. And he actually pulled, pulled it back, didn't do it, held on to it, used his composure and then executed it to somebody else. Now, last yep. year we would have just given that stupid handball off and that poor player would have got nailed holding the ball. So yep. Absolutely. I think... Um, so I think we've really worked on our decision-making and composure over the pre-season because I thought that was very noticeable. Yeah, certainly the most notable thing for me uh, was the way we played very quick, get it forward as quick as possible. And it was 
almost going back to that 2014 game style. You know, we were either running it out or with long kicks, getting it forward as quick as possible. It was a very direct style of play. Not necessarily mm. going through the corridor, as I thought we predominantly played down the wings. But as you said, it was whatever line we were sort of on at the time, we just sort of stuck to that. There was minimal switching of the play. We, we tried to keep things open. Um, and look, I think if we continued that style for the year, when uh, all the big guns come back, um, I can't see too many people complaining about the way that we play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's entertaining. And who cares if you know the opposition's getting 350 possessions to 200 now, and to, to our 240. Um, you know, direct play is the most efficient and enjoyable way because we're kicking it long, and um, you know we could tell you could tell that we were sort of kicking it long for the full forwards, and we obviously lack that presence for this game. But um, you could see the structures there going forward in the season. But how is our pressure of the Sydney ball carrier? I mean, I don't know if that's Nathan Bassett's um, influence there already, but around our midfield group. Uh, we really were able to apply pressure to that possession style of the midfield and really gave them no time and space at all. The midfield for such a young group that was out on the park, um, they were switched on. They were really switched on defensively, and that was great to see. Um, you know, we, we really gave them no time to use the ball at all, and I think that's also half of the reason why they had so many possessions as well was because they kept turning it over, and maybe we kept turning it over as well, but they were mm. forced to sort of go a bit wide and switch the play and go back and forth a little bit, um, which is often what we were doing last year or what teams were doing to us last year. So it was great to see us put that sort of pressure on with such a young group out there. Mm. Absolutely. So overall, I mean, yeah, I took it. I was a little bit disappointed we lost only because of the position, but I could see why. We had two short um, rotations uh, compared to Sydney. So we were really trialling what it's going to be like in the season proper, which I think is good for the players. Um, we had so many young players in the side, and as he pointed out, you know the torrential rain and, and uh, wind favouring Sydney in the last quarter. Um, yeah, it was stacked against us. Plus the young, the young bodies were going to tire in that last quarter as well. So, um, yeah, I haven't I seen mean, rain like that in a footy game for <laughs> quite some time. <laughs> well, I'd like to see rain like that in Adelaide. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> hey? wrong. Yeah, fill up my rainwater tank, sakes. That'd be good, please. Yeah. Instead of like half a millimetre. But look, uh, yeah, I think as a supporter group, we should walk away pretty happy. Um, and I, would you think that um, Sam Gray and Brendan Archie uh, are almost penciling their names in for round one selection? You would think so. I mean, we might as well talk about a few individual players um, now, and they were certainly too high up my list to talk about. Um, there's certainly spots available in the side um, with a few other players, and, and you would think that Sammy Gray and Brendan Archie have, have locked them in. Um, certainly Archie, I think, provides something unique and different in in, in terms of his height, his inside ability. Um, he can take a good grab, kick goals. Sammy Gray is just a absolute beast around the packs in terms of, of just his natural ability to win the ball and read the play. Um, mm. He's such a great accumulator. And, you know, Sammy Gray, he was the best of the midfielders on the day for me. He had five clearances, a number of inside 50s, constantly got the ball and got it forward. And whilst his disposable efficiency probably wasn't all that great, um, I thought he was by far the best four-quarter player that we had yeah. on the day. Well, I think I think both of those players, they're, you know, they're not players that are going to be, you know, in your top five. But they're fantastic players for your in that 14 to 22 range where your, your elite players are actually 
taking the heat of the opposition elite players and and so they add to our depth and you know I think if we're looking for them to be our starting superstars I'm not sure that that's what who they are but as depth depth players and being that support role in the team and being able to perform I think that's the uh, that's the perfect place for them and I'm not sure I'm convinced that we're going to be too inside midfielder heavy with Sam Gray, Brendan Archie, um, Ollie Wines, Hamish Hartlett as some are suggesting. I don't think so at all because I think Sammy Gray still does his best work maybe outside mm. um, with his sort of uh, his ability to accumulate so much of the ball. And look, for, for a guy that might be the 22nd player picked, I mean, that's the perfect sort of player that you want in that sort of role, I would think. Yeah. So he's what the, did you... He's the perfect bench player because he can run all day, he wins the ball, he can kick goals, we know he can play inside, he's a... Uh, bit of a, a lost dog around the packs, can lay a good tackle, wins clearances. I mean, that, that's the perfect bench play. So um, my call on Thursday was that Jakey Need would be uh, our replacement for Angus Mumphreys. How did you how did you think Jake's performance was on the, on the weekend, considering he's normally a very slow pre-season starter? I thought he was best on ground. I thought he had the most impact with his disposals, really took the game on, had a really nice snap at goal, you know, five inside fifties. He had four score involvements, which I think was the most of any Port player. Uh, yeah. yeah, he had a really good game, and you know, it, it really is his time to shine this year. You know, we've all seen his potential. We've all seen him play some really important games for us, especially in finals. Mm. Uh, but it's time for him to put it together for a season and become a, a real sort of you know thirty plus goal a year player for us. And I think he's got that potential in him. And it was, I thought it was interesting. Maybe the uh, the umpires looked at last year's. Um umpiring on Jake Need because I thought there was a few head-high tackles uh, that he probably should have got that he didn't get and I'm just wondering if they thought he maybe milked it a little bit last year and they're a bit more conscious of paying them but yeah look I thought he was I, I don't know if I had him best on ground I was probably a bit biased I, I had Dougal for me best on ground just because um, I guess I just got sucked in with the love of what he represents for us as a footy club going forward yeah Oh, look, I mean, I guess the other thing to note about Jakey Need's game was um, was his pace. He looked super, super quick out there. And, you know, maybe he was just putting in 100% and maybe some of the Sydney players weren't. But he looked really bloody quick out there. And, you know, he was back to his pace that he showed sort of earlier in his career in his first uh, season or two. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good point. Let's... Um... I think we better not get too carried away and be pre-season warriors here because, you know, I mean, Sydney were fielding a strong side, but they looked like they were going at half-rat power, didn't they? They, um, yeah. you know, they didn't, they, I don't think they were going 100%, but, you know, you could only play against the opposition that you're playing against, and they did well. So, um, who were your other standout performers, Macca? Oh, look, Dougal, we might as well talk a bit more about him. His first half was very good, borderline excellent. You know, he was arguably our best player in the first half. Really good ruck work, followed up around the ground, nice skills, he had good tackling. You know, I think he slowed down as the game went on, but as I said earlier, he was up against two established players. Um, mm. His pace again was a highlight. Once he gets going, he's bloody quick. His leap Absolutely. is encouraging for the future. and I'd really love to see him play as a second ruck you know, and a forward in the coming weeks in the next two sort of NAB Cup games and see how he can perform uh, with uh, guys like Lobie and Westhoff and, and, uh, and Schultz in the side. So you think he he should be playing again next week? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Or this week, sorry, my apologies. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have to give him an opportunity just in case something does happen to Matt Lobie, don't we? But yeah. um I mean, I thought Jackson Trengove was pretty handy in the ruck as well. Um, oh, yeah, sure. 
you know, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Jackson as a Rutman. Um, he's pro- he is probably a bit too slender to be in there permanently. But, yeah, and that probably goes the same for Dougal at this point in time. But, yeah, I just, I just think he's... Um, his versatility as a Rutman. He's very athletic, and like you said, he's fast. I remember last year in the, in the SANFL seeing this tall, big guy flying, and I was like, who the hell is that? Um, so he has got pace to bird, so yeah. maybe he, he might be a, a very good ruck-forward combination for us going forward. Yeah. Well, look, we've mentioned Callum Sinclair, and I think he's a very similar player to Callum Sinclair. Uh, really? It, I, I think so. Maybe he's a little bit more athletic, but I think um, Sinclair is probably a bit stronger, a bit um, maybe a little bit more influential with the way he goes about it. I think, but I think if mm. he could become that sort of player, um, yeah, and, and have that sort of role in time, I, I don't think it'll happen this year, but maybe the year after, if he can yeah. have that sort of role as that second ruck slash forward that can sort of maybe kick twenty goals a year and come off the bench and. Um, and do some influential ruck work. I mean, that's just going to be perfect for us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited to see what he'll do at SANFL level this year because the way he played on the weekend, he, he should be quite influential at that grade, I yeah. would hope, and uh, and he would stand up. But, um, yeah, I'm just trying to think, um, who were your other shining lights? Well, Jimmy Tumpus, we might as well talk about him as it was his first uh, official outing for Port Adelaide, I guess. And I thought it was an impressive one. I thought he had a very slow uh, first quarter, but his second quarter was an absolute ripper. And, you know, he had a decent second half as well. And five tackles was nice from him. I thought he looked better when he moved uh, a little bit behind the ball and was sort of creating the play a bit. Yeah. Um, similar to the family day, I don't think he showed a lot of pace um, or uh, much sort of outside carry at all. But his inside work was very, very good. Maybe it's the, the role that he's just playing at the moment. It's not facilitating uh, seeing that. Um, but... Yeah, look, uh, I mean, sometimes we get caught up where a player is originally selected compared to what their actual output is. So um, maybe we just need to see how Jimmy evolves at this time of the year. I hope he, I hope he's just not rushed into our, our starting t- uh, 22 because of his name and where he was picked. And I hope, I hope he sort of is uh, made to earn his spot because we, I think we've probably got about 29 players fighting for the starting 22 at this point in time. Yeah. And what about Jared Pollock? I, um, I was happy that he ran out of the game. Possessions didn't really bother me. Um, as I pointed out, his decision-making and skills are still there, and I think he just needs to get a bit of confidence and trust in his body at this point in time. Oh, it was probably the best five-disposal game of all time, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he didn't miss a target. He had 100% disposal efficiency, kicked a great goal. Um, and, you know, when he was around the ball, something happened yeah. pretty much. So. I guess um, you know for him it's just a, a matter of getting his his touch and uh, his uh, amount of disposals up, which will come in the next few weeks as he gets a bit more game time. So um, yeah, look, the fact that he was able to get through that game is fantastic, and hopefully he can get through the rest of the preseason and have the year that we all hope he can have. I mean, it must be. Um, I mean, I've never had to do it even at elite uh, elite. I wish elite amateur level uh, where you know if you're coming back from a major injury. I mean. It must take a bit of time to get confidence with your own body, um, you know, to be able to, to perform at that elite level. So, I mean, I'm just happy that he just ran out of the game. And, and clearly, a lot of our players were on ta- time management strategies. So, 
Uh, the coach, and I know Kane Corden said that Jackson Trengove was only doing like six minute quarters. So, um, and I'm sure Jackson wasn't the only player there. So, I mean, obviously they're really focused on just time management at this point in time. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. What about the what about the um, the perennial uh, scapegoat Sammy Cahoon? What do you think of his performance? Uh, a bit disjointed. I thought. Uh... Look, the fact he had such a really good second quarter, kicked a couple of goals, laid some really nice tackles, that was great. Um, but again, he, he sort of went missing in the second half. But look, if if he's going to play that sort of forward role and if he's going to hit the scoreboard and kick a, a couple of goals every sort of second week, you know, you can't be too unhappy with that. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I thought he was serviceable. Uh, I don't think it was great. Uh, I'm not sure he'll be in our... Um, starting 22, but you, you know what you're going to get from him, don't you? He's a he's a ball accumulator. He knows how to find it, and uh, he can run out a whole game. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's smashing out at least 12 games for us throughout the season, however. Yeah. Look, Carl Amon is, uh, is another one I wanted to talk about. I thought that was one of his most accomplished games, playing largely through the middle. I thought he had a great impact. Um, played a lot harder, and I guess it's the stats which was most impressive for me was five clearances and seven contested disposals. I thought that was great to see. He had six inside 50s as well, deserved a goal. Um, I thought he was pretty high in our best as well. He did love the physicality, didn't he? He did. It was almost like a different sort of player. Well, he, he got questioned for his physicality or lack of physicality in a, in a game last year, and uh, yeah, I, I remember a couple of the big bumps that he had uh, on the weekend. So. Uh, He's obviously uh, giving 100% and, and willing and committed. So uh, it's probably his year that he needs to really step up this year and, and try and be one of those players that can probably get you know five to ten AFL games, I would imagine. Yeah, again, I mean, he's one that's vying for one of those sort of last two or three spots in the side. I think, um, you know, he's a real possibility to take over from Gus Monfrey's spot in the side as well. I think he's got that sort of X factor. He's got a big leap, can kick goals, really smooth mover. Uh, great disposal. I mean, you want those sort of players in the side. And I, I think he's got every chance that he could play more than 10 games this year and maybe you know, push towards sort of 15 to 20. Yeah, absolutely. Um, was there any... I was going to ask you a question about the, the Sydney game plan, but was there any other players that you wanted to quickly talk about? Well, I guess we should probably talk about some of the, the debutants. So Will Snelling, I thought he was really impressive. Um, just had the seven touches, but his defensive side was uh, was fantastic. He had six tackles, four clearances, playing in the middle against one of the premier midfields in the competition. And you know, I thought he held his own. You know, playing, you know, going sort of head to head against guys like Hanbury and Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought uh, he was strong, uh, and he did well with his opportunity. I guess the only the only question mark is that. His height, isn't it? And it's it's going to be hard to have you know too many of the Snellings, Cahoons, Needs, Sam Grays, uh, all in the side at one time. So he's vying with a lot of those players for a position at this point in time. Yeah, I still think of uh, of our sort of of our recruits this year. He might be the the one that debuts first, and you know, I thought he gave himself every chance uh, with his form on the weekend and and that goalie kick from the boundary. I mean, what a ripper! Yeah, absolutely. And what about Archie's goal? That was a cracker too. It was. It was almost like, oh, whatever you think you can do, I can do better. <laughs> do we uh, do we talk about the enigma or do we just let that one go through to the keeper? Uh, maybe in a minute. I guess uh, Riley Bonner and Aidan Johnson are two others that deserve a, a quick chat. I thought um, 
Bonner maybe looked a little bit overawed in the first half, but his second half was really, really good. Had a few really nice bits of play. Um, yeah. And Aiden Johnson sort of came on in the last sort of quarter and a half and was very exuberant, very enthusiastic and ran around <laughs> like a, a bit of a lost dog and maybe got in the way a couple of times, but you can't, uh, you can't fault that enthusiasm. And, you know, he threw his body in and even though he's very, very slight, um, you know, he's got a, lot of, uh, got a lot of guts and courage. So what did you think about my man Boner? Did you like his game? He did very well in the end, yeah. I thought. Good disposal? Uh, good disposal, yeah. Good decision yeah. making? Maybe maybe not in the first half, but in the second half, I thought it, it improved a little bit. and um, I think maybe he might be caught in the trap of trying to kick it as far as possible at the moment, where he maybe yeah. needs to sort of kick it at 80% sort of thing and... And maybe think about it a little bit more, but look, it's you know it's his first game of his career, and you know I think he's going to have a fantastic career, and absolutely stoked that he's our player sponsor this year. <laughs> All right, kind. Let's talk about him. What about the butch? The butch just didn't do anything. I mean, it wasn't no. a day for tall forwards, was it? I mean, Lance Franklin had five touches and a goal. Um, Tippett didn't really do much up forward either. Um, but yeah, I mean, Butch just couldn't get in the play at all. Yeah, he didn't even. Yeah, at the end of last season, even though he wasn't kicking goals, he was smashing the packs, bringing the ball to the ground, and all that sort of stuff. There, there just wasn't that sort of uh, passionate intent um, to hit the ball carrier, was there? Yeah. Once again, it's my fault of his that I've brought up numerous times in the past. I just, he just always looks out of position. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that's probably the issue that he's going to have to deal with. But um, I'd like to see him get another go this week. Mm. Um, you know, if we're going to bring back maybe Westhoff and Schultz um, to see him play as a third toll up forward, see how he goes. Because mm. look, facts are he's never going to play as the number one key forward at, yeah. uh, in a proper AFL game unless we've got some sort of drastic injury issue. So, I mean, what was reassuring for me though was uh, our third man up in defence. Um, mm. You know, Tom Jonas was really in poor form last year. I'm stating the obvious, but um, I thought not only him but all our players were willing to leave their men when they had to and be that third man, and, and they did that really well. So yeah. I think that's a really good sign of confidence in our defensive structure. Yep, that was something that was missing last year, and look, I thought Tommy Jonas had a great game on the weekend. He had yep. a really good first half and really sort of repelled a number of attacks, and you know even guys like Darcy Byrne-Jones were sort of doing that as well, so it was great to see. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know, that to me is one of the barometers. You know, you know, that Tom Jonas, Cam O'Shea, uh, Matthew Broadbrent uh, coming in from the side or uh, being that spare man and, and taking the mark or getting the disposal and then playing on and disposing. So uh, I think that's a very good sign for us. Absolutely. So what about the... Um, did you see any flaws in our game plan? As I pointed out early, Sydney were able to get around um, our sort of flood of players in the middle at times, which did open up our defence where we were light on and we didn't have a lot of numbers. Is, is that an issue for us going forward? It's hard to say because we played such a young team. Um, would we have those issues if, uh, if the first team was out there? Maybe, maybe not. But I, I think it's certainly a fair point that um, if they got over the top, there was plenty of space. They played, um, Sydney played a, a very open forward line. Maybe that was deliberate, um, mm. trying to counteract the sort of style that we were going for. Um, am I being am I being overcritical? Is it is this just one of the weaknesses in all AFL game plans with 
in modern AFL where they do try to flood that 60 metres of the ball carry and if you do get around it, um, there is a lot of space in your forward line. Or, you know, is there... Well, it's just like... Clarko's cluster in the end, isn't it? You know, a lot of teams are still sort of playing that sort of style where you, you sort of flood the midfield and mm. I, I think with a lot of clubs, you know, if you get over that, you've got plenty of space and you can kick a lot of goals and, you know, we've, we've seen that with the way that we've played, you know, in the last sort of few years and I guess that was one of the main things... Um, that the teams were trying to stop last year and it was pretty successful. So, yeah. um, it'll be... I don't think we can really read too much into it just because we had our second string side out there. But it'll be interesting to see how we go next week or, or this week as well and um, to see if we can sort of stick to that sort of uh, similar game style and if we are still that quick. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's going to be really exciting. I, I'll try and make my way down to... Uh the home of the doggies on Saturday and, and have a look at our guys live in, uh, in the flesh. And I'll be really interested to see what, uh, what team we selected. Do you think all 14 of our starting players will come back or do you think we might bring back about eight or nine? I think we'll bring back the majority of them. Um, possibly all of them. I mean, it's the only sort of uh, home game this preseason, I guess. So it would be nice uh, to see sort of all the big guys out there. Um, yeah, I think... I mean, it's match fitness is good fitness, isn't it? So, yeah, I think we played we played this. So, yeah, I'd actually I'd actually like to see all our starting twenty two playing if possible for the next two games and getting yeah. fit and ready for the first first game. No doubt. I mean, what do we achieve by not doing that? No, nothing really. I so. mean, if if someone's half injured, you know, you're not going to rush Charlie Dixon back, obviously. Um, but um, yeah. Well, I guess that's uh, the, the the three points that I want to see from this weekend. Uh, you know, the bigger names out there. I want to see us with a full squad out there. Um, I'd love to see a continuation of our game style from NAB1. Um, and I'd also like to see a win. That'd be pretty good. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I mean, it'll be interesting. Melbourne sort of clamped down our style. Um, so uh, it could be a massive... Um, um, it could be a massive uh, midfield slugfest, I guess, and really be a bit of a laborious game, knowing Paul Ruse. <laughs> could be. Well, I guess that's the big, uh, as we were just speaking about, I guess that's the big uh, chance for us to prove uh, if we can still play that sort of same style with a team that might be going a little bit defensive. So so do you think we'll, we'll line up with uh, Jay Schultz, Butcher and uh, Westhoff? Or do you reckon Butcher might go out and... Uh, might maybe play Dougal Howard up forward with Westhoff and Schultz and, and Loby goes into the ruck. I would like to see us play um, Schultz, Westhoff, Butcher up forward, Loby in the ruck and Howard on the bench. Yep. That's how I would line up at the first bounce and um, give Howard plenty of time um, up forward to see what he can do and, and plenty of time in the ruck as well. Yep. Sounds good to me. I'd like to see our full starting back six as well. So, yep. Trengove, Carlisle, Homsch, uh, Jonas, Pittard, obviously. And Broadbent's going to be the interesting one for me because he wasn't in great form last year. So, I'm not convinced that he might be in our best 22 come round one. You reckon? That's a big call. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got a, a plethora of halfback options, really, don't we? Hamish Hartler was fantastic back there. So, I mean, if, you, if we go through Carlisle... Uh, Trengove, Homsch, uh, Jonas, um, Pittard, Hamish Hartlett. You know, 
I don't know. I mean, if Brody's form wasn't that good, you thought he had a good season last year? I thought he did. I thought he was one of our most consistent players after he came back from being dropped. I thought he had a really strong second half of the year. And Look, I guess the, what is it now, three years that we've been under Ken Hinckley, we know that we like to play a spare man in defence. We like to play a seven-man back line. So, and mm-hmm. he's always been that seventh man, that loose player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess the theory is, are we still going to do that this year? We, we don't really know yet. So I reckon um, we'll be playing eight defenders this year. I, I can't see Brody being out of the side. To be honest, no, you're probably right, and maybe I'm just being a little bit harsh thinking of his um, early season form more so than his uh, end and se- end of season form. But look, Jasper's reckon... more likely to be dropped than uh, than Brody. Get out of it! Now you're just being a shit stirrer. <laughs> it's what Surely I do best. Not. Surely not. Um, not but, me. I mean, but that's why that's why I guess we need to see our best twenty-two now, don't we? You know, I mean, what we'll. We'll probably play 24 players again. We're probably going to go with the 80 rotation. So um, we need to we need to see which players are in form and which ones maybe have to start in the SANFL. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Um, now, look, I know you said you didn't want to do this tonight, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, you've sponsored the podcast for the last couple of years for your business, New Vision, but I don't think we've ever actually sort of discussed what New Vision is on the podcast before. So do you want to give us a quick rundown of uh, what New Vision is and what services you offer? Well, usually we just talk about Rick's fishing tips, but I've got a good one for you. Don't slip on the boat ramp and crack your head because it's not good for you. Um, <laughs> New, New Vision is uh, a fully integrated finance model. Um, our marketing slogan is that we uh, we create a wealthier you. We try to redefine people's stories. So uh, what we try to help people with is uh, either accounting solutions, financial planning, mortgage broking, uh, or real estate, helping people with property investments. So um, we get people that we, uh, we help the whole line of services with, and then we have people that just take uh, specific components. But Look, our goal is to be one of the, going forward, one of the biggest uh, wealth creation companies for middle income earning Australians. And, and that's uh, through um, either uh, property portfolio or shares, managed funds, or just helping with accounting and tax strategies. That's that's our, our long-term plan. We've, we've got five franchises in the system now. Um, some are specialised to, to more property and mortgage broking. Um, and our office, obviously, offers the whole gamut of services but um yeah i mean it's a it's a bit of a a random market at the moment i mean people are talking about that 60 minute special where um investors lost big apparently in in property um but they only that story really only highlighted that most of the people that that lost big were isolated to high risk mining towns um you know there's still sound strategies for investing and i guess the the main rule of thumb no matter what you do, is to have a diversified portfolio and be smart about your portfolio structuring. So, um, you know, if you're in your 60s heading towards retirement, you don't create a portfolio where, um, uh, you know, it's in high-risk, high-growth assets where you could potentially lose half your portfolio in, in a month and therefore jeopardise your retirement plan. But, you know, if you're 30, obviously you can have a different higher-risk strategy because you've got time to weather the storm but take advantage of the gain. So they're yeah. the sort of things that we go through with people and, 
and try and explain and break down the myths of you know those stories that you see on today tonight and 60 minutes where they're bits they're a bit uh, extreme and uh, and but what I'm finding in the market at the moment is that the market's actually fearful we we've got a lot of um, buyers remorse and con- cons- poor consumer sentiment out there and especially in the Adelaide market people are, are seem to be fearful of actually doing anything and uh, you know that that's only going to benefit the wealthy because um, the world the people that have got money will keep investing and making and will make more and the people that need to do something and have the right strategies in place to grow their wealth uh, they're going to fear doing things and I've you know I've been doing tax returns Craig as you know for um, 13 years now and yeah. uh, and that's probably the most common thing I see from uh, a lot of us working class people is that we um, we actually we fear too much of doing something and we focus on the fear and the fear of loss rather than the rewards of giving something a go and uh, and that's what we're all about we're here to um, uh, just to encourage people to give it a go and and try and map out a strategy which is going to suit people nice does that make sense it sure does. Yeah. And that was uh, Finance with the Fisherman. It is Finance with the Fisherman. And, uh, yeah, so nearly killed myself on Sunday. I went to help Tyler <laughs> on the boat ramp, and I was running down there because he was losing control of the boat. And buddy, um, I hit the slimy section of the boat ramp and wasn't thinking, and my feet went underneath me and uh, whiplashed my head on the, the concrete and gave myself concussion. And, uh, and then, buddy, uh, I didn't go to hospital, and then everyone was going, oh, you shouldn't be going to sleep. And I'm like, really? Why? And so I went to hospital and the doctor was going, yeah, you can die. So uh, there's my tip. If you if you do hit your head badly, don't go to sleep and, and go and get checked out by a doctor. That's it. Death is but not we'll, good for anyone. No, but we'll do a couple of tips throughout the year. Um, like I said, there's one I want to talk about over the next couple, couple of weeks. Um, we'll have a chat about this negative gearing discussion, which is up in the media as well, and, yep. and try and uh, break that down for people a little bit later too. Sounds good to me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I guess um, that's it for tonight. It is. Matt, Matt Sullivan's show, Cheer Cheer the Black and the White or whatever it is. Uh, he Onward lost to host. Victory. Onward to Victory. The he's Maggie's podcast. His, he's lost his host tonight because of uh, being delayed. So he said he'll be up and running from 8 o'clock next Wednesday. Fantastic. And we'll have to get Harold on next week. Yes, indeed. And do we want to break the surprise that we'll have a guest on the 15th? Oh, if you want to. Yeah. So we've got the dynamic duo of Tim Ginever and uh, George Fiacci coming back. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. I don't, I don't know who cracks me up more, Tim with his jokes or George for bagging out on Tim. Oh, look, a bit of both, I reckon. I'm going to sit on the fence. I like them both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know what will happen. Those two will just take It's the odd couple. Up. It's great. We just won't say anything. Those two will just take over the show. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, that's right. So well, they'll be on the 15th of March. And uh, I, know the, I know the Onwards to Victory show is trying to get a, a magpie and a, an academy player. So we're trying to line that up. So uh, we'll, try and get, we'll try and get an interview for them as well. That's it. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, just like last week, if you want to check out any of the Port Fan Radio shows, you can check us out on, uh, on Spreaker. Um, they've also got a free mobile app. So if you like listening or streaming on your mobile, um, I highly recommend uh, downloading that app um, and then you'll, uh, you'll get all the podcasts from the Port Fan Radio Network uh, straight to your mobile, which is fantastic. And we're still on the website. We've got to work out what we're doing with it. But I know Matt 
Matt Sullivan's uh, offered to generously help us keep the website more up to date. So we'll look yep. at making some changes there as well. Beautiful. Awesome. All righty. Thanks, Until Macca. next week, yes. go the power, and I guess we'll uh, see you all at footy. Go the power, and let's beat the demons. Indeed. Ciao, ciao. Ah. Woo. Well, they've got three in about five minutes here. Well done. Could you do it again? It's going and going and going home. He's kicked three. Unbelievable.